Hey, Megan. Hey, what? How does the sea say hello? I don't know how. It waves. <laughs> <laughs>Hello everyone and welcome to Engage, a family gaming podcast. This is episode 180 and I'm your host Steven Dutzman. This is the official video game and board game podcast for EngageFamilyGaming.com. That's a website on the internet where parents like myself and my co-host come together to make sure everyone has the information they need to get their family game on. This week, it's just Linda and I having a fireside chat and uh, chatting about some board games. Linda, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, I'm sure you are very eagerly and anxiously awaiting both the end of school and <laughs> a giant pile of nerds invading your home for many days. That's true, though the giant pile of nerds comes first and then school closes for the, for the school year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, man, I wish I, wish I knew what the end of, of something for the year was, um, but I, I could never be a teacher. I don't have the patience. You have infinite <laughs> patience. I do not. So, um, but we do. You do have a giant crash of rhino nerds coming to your house to That's cover true. E three. Are you uh, excited for E three this time around? Because normally, uh, you don't get to enjoy E three because we're like away. But this time, you get to like see it and like live the excitement. Are you at least interested? I am. I'm more than just a little interested. I'm excited to be able to be a more of a part of it than in the past. Um, before it was really, you know, a little bit of looking at things and helping to put some information together, but mostly it was holding down the fort while John was away. So, so now, that so I here's can, the, you know, here's the real question. Here's my real question for you. And okay, I know I cut you off a little bit, but this is the okay. excitement. Now you're going to see like, you're going to see all of it. Is it possible that you might be able to get so caught up in the hype that you might actually get excited to play one of these things? It's possible, but improbable. Possible, but improbable? Like, this is what I imagine. <laughs> like, I imagine we're going to come out of this, and you're going to be like, wow, Watch Dogs Legion looks really good, guys. I am so down to be a hacker in dystopian London. And while that might not be EFG appropriate, like, the idea of you playing, <laughs> like, a hacker in dystopian London or... Some game that's, like, in that vein, right? Like, something that's, like, you know, like, all of a sudden you're, like, yeah, Splinter Cell, um, like, whatever this, or not Splinter Cell, like, Ghost Recon Breakdown or whatever. <laughs> you just be like, you know what? I like the idea of flying drones around and shooting dudes. Let's do it. Just, you didn't watch me try Battlefront. You missed that. I didn't, but you know what? All it takes is practice. Yeah. You're not hopeless, Linda. I believe I'm in you. I'm not hopeless, but I'm really bad. I mean, Oh, you're terrible, but did you oh, see yeah. what have you seen what our kids were like when they started playing games and now look at them. That's true. Um, so anyway, enough video games. E3 is next week. So this <laughs> There'll be this, lots of video games. Th th yes. So to forewarn everyone, um, if you are a board game person, good news, all you have to do is download. You don't really have to listen much next week. Um, but we're going to be publishing a whole bunch of podcast content. Um, I encourage you, we will be putting up detailed show notes. So if it's anything you're interested in, you'll be able to look at that and see. Um, otherwise, thank you for the download. Um, and you have a little bit of time off because uh, E3 is upon us and it is crazy. I'm very excited that we didn't have to wiggle the schedule around too much this year. We have the board game episode just happens to be right before E3. And then we have E3 to just go crazy and then we can come back and... Th that next week we're going to have another board game episode and it'll be great because Origins will have happened. So it's like the perfect schedule. Now watch Gen Con will like have E3 like during it or something. But whatever, or, you know, we'll figure it out. You know, we we'll figure it out. out. We always figure it out. So um, in case you didn't notice, folks, this week is board game week. Um, that's why Linda's here. But it's true. Um, but you're going to be on a board game, or you're going to be on video game podcast next week. Just be ready. Nobody's for Nobody's going to know what to do. We're, it, the whole world is. <laughs> it's going to. It is truly the darkest timeline. Linda's on a video game podcast. Uh, but so, um, what I thought we would do, because Origins is already like scheduled. There's nothing really new being announced yet. Um, I thought we would just go around the horn a bunch because you and I have played some things, um, and uh, we have a couple cool games to talk about. 
And then um, after our break, I actually have a recording of uh, myself and Carla Kopp from Weird Giraffe Games. Oh, Carla's actually online, so we might be grabbing her soon. Um, So maybe we don't have a recording of her. Here's the plan. Okay. The plan is we're going to go around the horn, talk about some games. I know you have a couple games that you played. I have a couple games that I have played. Uh, I want to talk to you uh, about our Dungeons and Dragons experiment and also our plan for our children. Okay. Um, and then um, we're going to take a break. Mm-hmm. And then Carla Cop from Weird Giraffe Games is going to hop on board uh, because we're going to interview her about her game that's on Kickstarter, Big Easy Busking, which you uh, was the Kickstarter, uh, the Kickstarter of the week last week. Yes. What do you think? That sounds like a wonderful plan. Great. I'm glad because it was the plan, and if it was bad, we were going to do it anyway. So um, (laughs) why don't you start? Okay. What have you been playing recently? So I got a brand new game for me to the table. Definitely not a brand, brand new. Oh, I was about to say. I was like, brand. you bought yourself yourself a game? No. I got it as a gift a little while ago. So it's not not new, new, but I finally opened it, finally got it to the table, and that is Fox in the Forest. Okay. And this is by Renegade Games. This is a two-player-only game, and it's a trick-taking game with a fairy tale theme. So it's got, like, mythical... Um, like feel to it. It's got a witch as one of the characters on the cards. Um, there's a fox, a swan. Um, there's treasure on some of the cards. There's a they said the witch, a woodcutter. So it's sort of the that fairy tale theme to it. The artwork is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a trick taking game. There are three kinds of cards in the deck. Um, there are bells, there are keys, and there are moons. The cards are numbered 1 to 11, and it's just a really simple head-to-head. Each player puts down a card, and you're trying to win the trick. Or okay. maybe not, which is the fun part about this. You might be trying to win the trick or not, because the way the scoring is, um, you have 13 cards, so there's 13 tricks to be won or lost. Okay. And the way scoring is... You get the most points if you have zero to three tricks that you've won or seven to eight tricks. And if you go beyond nine tricks, you get zero points for the round. Okay. So you actually bust basically if you're too greedy. So it's just a neat twist to it. So you can have a strategy of trying not to win tricks because you can get six points if you're considered being humble for having a zero to three. Um, and then you get a little bit more, you have one point if you have four tricks, two points if you have five, three points for six, six points for seven through nine, and then okay. again, you bust at ten. So it's just a neat oh, So spin. you really don't want to get greedy. You don't want to get greedy. So it's just a neat, you know, you're not necessarily just trying to win everything. And you get to the point you're counting. You're counting, okay, how many times have I won? How many tricks have I won in this round? Oh, no, I'm at six, so I either need to make sure I get one or two more. But if I have too many, then I'm done, you know. So it's just a different kind of strategy, which is neat. Um, The other thing that they do that's really neat, the odd number cards have special abilities, basically. So, for example, the number three cards for all three suits, it says when you play this, you may exchange the decree card with a card from your hand. So... That's one okay. part I forgot to say. You flip a card at the beginning, and that's the trump card, basically, the decree card. Okay. So you can always play that to win. But it's just neat. There's, like, these little special abilities on the odd number cards. So it's just a really fun little game. You play rounds, uh, multiple rounds, and we the two I played with somebody else that was new to both of us. We learned it in about five minutes. Awesome. Yeah, we enjoyed it. Cool. Also, it yeah. doesn't hurt. That it's very pretty. It is very pretty. Um, let's see here. So, the fox in the forest is um, it's also a, a relatively inexpensive game. Uh, you can get it on Amazon right now for about fifteen bucks, um, and with Prime. So, uh, I th- I think the MSRP looks like it's about nineteen dollars. Yeah, it's a little uh, box. This is a nice travel game. It's mm-hmm. just the deck of cards, and there's some little tokens for scorekeeping purposes. But the art is absolutely oh, it's beautiful. So pretty. 
This is a this is a great looking game. Yeah. Um. Very it simple. It says they just ten up for the. I'm sorry for the. Yep. Um, recommendation. You could that totally could scale down because it's just basic. Who which one's going to win the hand, and it's awesome. just two cards at a time, and then the the decree cards. So it's nothing super complicated. That's awesome. Um. So I'll talk about my game now. Okay. Um. It is a game that is currently on Kickstarter. Uh, I actually just recently published, and it went on Kickstarter literally today as we are recording this. Um, I published our preview of the game. Um, now, we don't typically do a lot of Kickstarter previews. However, this game really caught my eye, um, and they're for a young publisher, and we really try and support new publishers when possible uh, with Kickstarters, mm-hmm. especially if it's their first creation. Um, and so I want to talk about Dungeon Drop. Okay. So... Um, here is Dungeon Drop. It's from Phase Shift Games. Um, it's a, a, a new designer who actually is a first-time designer also. It's on Kickstarter now. It started this morning at around 10, and it is already at almost 300% of its goal. Oh, wow. Um, so here's what Dungeon Drop is. It's is a game uh, designed by Scott Smith. It's all about, um, it's a dungeon crawl game. Uh, that's all about kind of looting a dungeon. But instead of a board or cards or anything like that, um, you create the dungeon by dropping cubes onto the table. And the dungeon is formed by the cubes hitting the ground and just kind of creating shapes. So there are different colored cubes, for example. There are gray cubes that are pillars. There are green cubes that are boblins. Yes, I said boblins, not goblins, boblins. Um, And then there's different colored treasure, like different colored gems and things like that. Um, The idea is on your turn, you use... um, there are some other things, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but essentially, um, you look at the table, and you find three pillars that make a triangle, and you claim that room, and everything that is inside the triangle that they form, you get to keep, and use that for scoring at the end of the game. Um, the green things are goblins. If you happen to collect one of those, they deal damage to you, um, mm-hmm. and you cannot, the game will not allow you to um, gain that you can't kill yourself, right? Like okay. they do damage you. You can't kill yourself. You can't bust. The game physically will not allow you to bust. Um. So the um. And so in the beginning, and that's literally the game. That's the game. Now there are okay. um. You have a race and a class, and they each of the race and classes have different powers. Um. For example, um. There is a a hawk man who uh, can fly. And so his flight ability means that you can choose four pillars and you can choose to pick up all and loot in a square instead of a triangle uh, because they're faster. Right. Right. Um, And there are, you know, that's the kind of gnomes, for example, not gnomes. um, There's a, there's an archer class where you can flick cubes. And if you flick a cube and it hits another cube of the same color, you get to keep them both. Um, and you use one of your two powers and then you keep going. Um, this game is simple. It is fast. Uh, we played it with the full Monty. Our whole house, our, you know, everybody in our house played it, including our six-year-old. Um, she struggled with some of the deeper strategies, but like literally if you know how to make a triangle you can play this game and at least participate. Um, Another really strong point is the art. Like, the character art on the cards uh, for the races and the classes are super adorable. It's got, like, this chibi art style, um, very bright colors. um, And it's, I mean, the the boblins are, like, these little cube monsters, which are super cute. Um, It's also $16 for the base game. The the deluxe edition, quote-unquote, is $22, which realistically is, like, the definitive edition. I think right one of the reasons it's growing so fast is even the deluxe edition at $22 is still a really, really good um, game. And the the deluxe edition is – it includes the deluxe add-on, which is – Basically, um, you get meeples for all the different 
characters mm-hmm. and like your oh they're dra- so cute they're, exactly there's a dragon the, honestly the meeple I'm I, and I mean this without even a joke the meeples are the appropriate size that you could a hundred percent use them for Dungeons and Dragons characters on a map hundred percent and I think honestly that's why I want the deluxe thing I don't really feel the need to use the meeples for the game I kind of want to just use them as minis in Dungeons and Dragons um. Like and for twenty two dollars for just for, that that's... for twenty two dollars that is absolutely worth it. Um, because uh, let me see how many classes like so there are right now with no uh, without stretch goals there are six, but I think already unlocked because of how crazy the game is. Um, I think there have already been. Let's see here. So they've already unlocked the fairy, the gnome, the high elf, and the stonekin already. Um, wow. And then the sleth and the ishim are the next two, and they'll probably get to those tomorrow at this rate. So um, there have already been four more. So you're getting ten, ten minis, basically. Mm-hmm. And yes, I am 100% using these for Dungeons & Dragons. Like, there is no yeah. question. Um, That's not bad. And even with the shipping charge, they're charging seven for most areas. Yeah. Um, So that means that the all-in is $29 for a lot of game. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Um, I played it the... So this is not... I did not play the final version of the game. um, And I don't think anyone really has because they're adding so many expansions and other stuff to do. Right. However... Yeah. However, the... um, what I have played, um, I really appreciate it. I think it's fun. The kids enjoyed it. Um, the yeah, it's a. It, this is one of those things you definitely want to. If you if anything that I have said has um, kind of interested you, I would definitely head over and look up Dungeon Drop on Kickstarter and take a look at it. Now, full disclosure, they did provide me a copy of the prototype for this game, uh, but I am still backing it myself. Um, they did not provide me any kind of money for this. I know them, so you can take that with a grain of salt, but watch the video. You'll understand. It's super cute. I have one question yep. with the drawing the triangles. Are you actually drawing them, or are you just like pointing just out like, this point is the triangle three. I'm creating? Yeah, I think okay. um, this is one of those games where I would, um, you know, like, if you had like a ruler or a yardstick, it would be, you know, like a straight edge of some kind. That would help me. Um, but I'm thinking visually. I I would need like to make <laughs> it's, put a thing. You down. think that you think that you would, but you really don't. Maybe. It's not that not hard. So much. Okay. Yeah, it's really not. You think you do because you've never done it. Um, I'll bring it with us to, with me to E3 so you can take a look at it. Because okay. um, we're probably you know. It, but it's it, yeah. It's it looks harder than it is. With that said, I would still want one, or at the very least, I would want like a wand or something so I could point more easily. Because that was one of the issues that we have is that sometimes it's hard to point across the table. Because um, like. You know, so you literally need like a pointer. Yeah, like a pointer, I think would help, but that's really not something they should provide. Like, oh no, use a freaking everybody's pencil. got a ruler around their yeah. house or something. Everybody's got something, and I think that'll help. But this is blowing up on Kickstarter right now. Um, everyone who has played it, and I sat I, during International Tabletop Day or over the weekend, I went to Tabletop Shop and watched a bunch of um, demos happen. No one sat down to play that game and walked away. Even neutral. Everyone was like, wow, this is cute. Wow, this is kind of fun. Um, you know, there were a couple people that weren't like mega hyped about it. And I think that's because they were hoping for like a crunchier experience. But anybody that is really just in for, if you like the idea of a game that you can play, and this is a true story. My first demo with this game was at a restaurant and I learned it and played it between the time that I ordered my Cuban sandwich and the time that the Cuban sandwich arrived at my table. Um, which is pretty impressive. That's a nice, easy game. Nice, like concise. Super fast, super quick. Yep. It is three rounds. Now, some people were like, I want more. Why does it only end in three rounds? And the simple answer is, um, it ends in three rounds because they wanted to keep it bite-sized. However, if you want to play a campaign mode or whatever, simple, keep your score, keep your characters and your races, you pick up the cubes, and you play another game. Right. That's it. And then you can just continue with the scores thereafter. There is nothing stopping you from doing that. It would just be you are you are raiding another dungeon. Um, yeah, that's it. Um, the only critique I have and this is this is a pretty significant one. This came from the general. Um, this game can make a mess. 
Yeah, I could see that. Um, specifically, uh, we have a house rule. Uh, you must be over the age of 30 to drop the cubes. <laughs> That's a smart idea. Because we had um, Jacob try and do it. Oh, boy. And it, they were yeah, everywhere, weren't they? It just went everywhere. Now, it says to drop it from like a foot and a half up. But like on a dining room table, no. that stuff went everywhere. So it's like, no, a little sprinkle and it spread out pretty nice. I right. think, um, you know, if you were like on a floor or something, maybe like, but this is the kind of thing that you could totally play on a floor. It's weird. Yeah. Um, this would also be something to play in a, in a container. Like have you had like a, like a shallow box? Oh, I like would. A, lo- yeah, yeah. I, I think so. But part of the fun is it just going everywhere. Well, I'm saying like bigger. Yeah. You would need like, like something. Yeah. Something with edges a, though. Yeah, something with edges would probably be fine. So anyway, that's Dungeon Drop. It's on. It's okay. on Kickstarter now. Um, this is a pre-order. They already have all their manufacturing set up. Like they have done their homework on this. So order with confidence, even though this is their first campaign. Um, and they're already at almost a thousand backers as we record this. They'll probably break a thousand backers overnight. This game is. This is going to be a very big deal. Um, I think. Also, the box is a cube. It is. And it is super cute looking. Um, I kind of want to get this now. (laughs) um, I think your family would like it. Um, But if you really want to test it, I'll let you borrow my prototype. Um, All right. I'll report back um, on that later. (laughs) I'll tell you, it's it's funny how I saw the box at Tabletop Shop. And I must have spent like 15 minutes talking with one of the graphic designers that works for Phase Shift about merchandising the cubes. Like, mm. just merchandising and, like, signage. Like, imagine this. You walk up to a, um, a like, a booth at a convention, and they're sell- they're going to sell them at conventions for, like, 20 bucks. Like, it's just, it's outright robbery. Um, and, because it's so, because it's a cheap, it's a cheap price for such a good game. They might even right. go lower if they can, you know, get an, if this blows up. Um, imagine, like, the empty boxes kind of, like, stacked, like, on a post, so yeah. they're kind of offset and like they're, they don't even like one of them could be like on their point and all that stuff. It could be so cool because there's cute little art on all the sides of the box. Yeah. Anyway, super um, cute. I have never seen a box that was a cube before. So I nerded out over that anyway. So that's Dungeon Drop by Phase Shift Games. Um, it's on Kickstarter now. Um, Sounds good. So what else have you played? So. Last time we talked, I mentioned about playing South of the Sahara and starting to dig into that um, because that was a game that was sent to me for a review. On Tabletop Day, I was able to get two seven-year-olds to come sit with me, and the game is for seven and up, and I was able to play test it. Two of the three games within that game, um, Achi and Fenora, um, and they're two different little sub-games. One is I talked a little bit about the tic-tac-toe style, and we actually got to play through where they had to slide pieces to get three in a row, which was neat seeing two seven-year-olds do that yeah. head-to-head. Um, okay. And then the other one we tried, Fenora, um, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'll double-check the pronunciation on that and report back later. That one, it's the premise of it is that you are a line of lemurs and you are knocking the other lemurs over, huh. the opposing lemurs. It's so cute. And they're little, they're just little wooden pieces like they don't even they're not even like figs but it's just the premise of can i move forward one space and when i do that anybody in a straight line in front of me of the opposing team i knock over so i may knock over two three four potentially if i slide back one space i basically tail my tail comes out and i trip them and they fall over it's it's very cute and there's two levels of play just like with the tic-tac-toe one there were two boards that i talked about last time this one has two levels of play plus a simpler board and a complex board. Um, the basic level of play, it's just you're using the blank side of the uh, wooden pieces and you're just trying to knock over as many as you can till one person's left standing. Okay. The more complicated one is there are numbers on the other side and they represent the lemur's age. Okay. And you can only... You have to pick whether you're going to knock down older, younger, or same age as your little character okay. that's knocking them over. So it's math. So okay. there's a math that's component. Cool. So it ties that in. So you have to decide, do I want to go with the ones that are the same age, more, or less? So if you see you have two that are more than your number, 
then you're going to want to pick that one. So it's just a neat, and you don't have to call it until you decide like to make your move. It's not like okay. you have to call ahead. Like I'm only going to do this for the round. You can just call it for each action, which okay. is cute. Very cute. And again, playing this, we played the simpler version only. We didn't start with the, the numbers. We ran out of time, but having the two seven-year-olds battle head to head and battle the adults a couple times. And by the way, the children won mightily huh. <laughs> of knocking over all the grown-up pieces. Um, Eli apparently is like the master of this game and trumped us all, trounced us multiple times. So, but that's a lot. Right. It's cute. It's simple for the little kids for building in that math. Very cute. So Awesome. Lots of fun. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. I can't wait to take a look at that. Um, maybe get some pictures uh, over the weekend. Um so man, so that's those are three really these are three good games yeah. um, that may find their way onto you know our gift guides or things like that over the summer uh, or well towards the fall rather. Um, let's talk about something that's been around for a while. <laughs> so Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition is a thing. It is. Um, and so for the the relevant thing I want to talk about is. Um, they have made some new announcements uh, that we haven't talked about on our podcast. Uh, the first one is um, they have announced that the next large uh, like setting or rules expansion uh, is coming this uh, towards the end of this year. They haven't given us a date, but it is the uh, campaign setting of Eberron, which is um, I know the word itself means literally nothing to anyone that doesn't hasn't paid attention to Dungeons Dragons for a long time. But Eberron is interesting because they actually at one point a number of years ago did a contest where they uh, encouraged players and fans to create their own worlds. And submit them. Okay. And the winner was going to be made into its own thing. They would essentially be buying it or doing whatever. I don't know how they figured it out. And um, this Eberron is one of their core Dungeons & Dragons campaign worlds. Now, this is something you may not necessarily know, Linda. No, um, I didn't know this. So Dungeons & Dragons has, like, core campaign worlds that are... They're, I don't know if canonically they are connected, but for example, if you're playing Curse of Strahd, you're playing in the Ravenloft campaign setting, but it's like its own world. It has its own rules, etc. Um, and some of them fall in and out of flavor. Um, the most common one is Faerun, which is, um, that's where all the Forgotten Realms campaign setting is. And that's where a lot of their books are from. So, like, if you remember, if anyone's... Uh, has ever heard about Dr the legend of the, the Dark Elf Drist Duerden or whatever, and all of his homies. They're all in the Forgotten Realms world. Uh, but there's also Dragonlance, which is its own flavor of fantasy. It's my personal favorite um, because the dwarves there are awesome. Um, they're awesome. Um, but the... And they have a whole series of books all about Dragonlance. Um, and so Eberron is one of their core worlds um and they've had dozens over the years some that don't get used anymore um they've just kind of either been rolled into the general cosmology or they've just been ignored um which is sad but eberron is different because it is a very high magic place like you trip over magic items and stuff um because it's that, that's like and one of its core components is that there are these things called the warforged which are basically robots Robots. Uh, yeah, kind of. They're golems, whatever. Uh, okay. They're not like robot robots, but like whatever. If you're like a construct humanoid thing, you're a robot as far as I'm concerned. Oh. Kind of like how that when we were sense. at LARP, I called everything a zombie. That's true. Do you when remember that, that I did quite that? The right but that's not how yeah. it was true because we were fighting like a cra crazy demi-lich that was trying to take over the world. And I was like, whatever, so it's a zombie. <laughs> you know, and you guys would always correct me. But you, you understood. just a bit. But you guys understood what I was getting yes. at. It's shorthand, Linda. That's what it is now. It's a robot. Um, and all sorts of other really cool stuff. Um, and it's coming the end of this year, which is really exciting for fans of that setting to see it get an adjustment into 5th edition. I'm interested to see what they do with the Warforged. Um, and, you know, how to roll them into campaigns. They also announced... Um, and this is kind of a big deal, is um, the next adventure is taking place in um, Baldur's Gate, which is a, uh, a name that a lot of PC video game players will remember because there's a game called Baldur's Gate that was on PC. Um, and this is 
more or less um, the Dungeons and Dragons answer to like Mad Max Fury Road. Ah. It's very like it, so. Um, it looks kind of cool. I will likely be picking it up and running it at some point because it looks awesome. Um, but Dungeons cool. and Dragons is going crazy. Um, all sorts of cool stuff, and we have been playing it. More important, so I've talked about my perspective on coming yep. back and running after a while. Yep, you, and last time I t- no, we talked last time about yeah. my perspective. I want to know now that you've played more because yes. now you've had more settings. Can we get an update? Any any any, any new any further thoughts or experiences? Because <laughs> now you're really getting into it. You're like yeah. into the meat of this. You've had at least one major fight. You fought a Skylander. Basically, that was awesome. Nothing like using a Skylander as a minifig or a major ma- massive fig. I don't major, even know what it's called. No, they are they are referred to as minifigs, even though it is definitely <laughs> not a micro. It is more of a macro. So um, what I found just like getting back into it, I was very quiet the first game, just wrapping my head around the whole what was going on, getting my orientation to the game and the story and mm-hmm. everything. And I felt more comfortable the second, the second game, just playing around and, and – you know, looking at the different elements of my character beyond just the stats, like the yep. personality and trying to play into that and, and bring that out in the character where I felt like the first game I was just kind of getting my sea legs, so to speak. Um, and so it just, it was a lot more enjoyable just being more comfortable with what was going on, kind of knowing better what was occurring. And, you know, the way the rules are, it just, it just feels like it flows very naturally. The battle, I, even though it takes a long time to go through everybody's turn, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel arduous. It seems to move, rel- you know, it takes time, but it seems to move relatively quick through the players. At least that's the way it felt to me. I didn't feel like it was boring waiting to do my action. Awesome. So, yeah. Good. I'm yeah. glad that, I'm, I will say I have noticed that you've come out of your shell a little bit. Um, and participated a little bit more actively, which I think is great. And I think part of that was because you knew what you're doing more, you know, like you're getting more comfortable and I think that's going to get better every time we play. So, um, and I think that's an important lesson that everybody can learn about, um, you know, Dungeons and Dragons or any kind of tabletop or really any kind of board game is that sometimes, you know, players like the way they process the game is that they, they just chill. You know, like you just kind of settled back and just kind of let it happen and interacted when you needed to. And as you got more comfortable. Yeah, you did. The first game, I really didn't role play. I just played my character as needed. I stated where they needed to be. I stated like what they were doing in a fight or whatever, but I didn't really role play. Yeah. And And that's okay. Right. You know, and it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying myself. It was I was getting oriented to the in-game situation and the out-of-game just getting comfortable with it again because it had been goodness what 12 15, 12 years something like that yeah more than that 13 years yeah i mean it was before <laughs> 13 <laughs> it was so before. it was longer than that right um yeah um so yeah i mean i i i mean this is what i was hoping this was like the best case scenarios that I would kind of force all you guys to play again and that everybody over time, you know, I knew like, you know, our friend Craig was going to just get super into it immediately. Um, and I knew that, you know, Jenna would get into it when she was playing, but not want to think about it at all otherwise. Right. And, you know, like I knew that was going to happen, but I was hoping that there would be a great excuse for us to play. And also it's been a great excuse for our kids to hang out. Um, you know, they don't play with us. But they have, you know, big pile of kiddos time. And I think that most of them really appreciate it. I know your oldest son really doesn't participate in any of that. He's just been sitting watching <laughs> enraptured with he the is. game. He, he may have been taking the player's book and he likes to read in bed yeah. at the end of the night. And we basically have had to like pry it out of his hands and say, no, no, really, it's 11 o'clock. Go to bed. Go to sleep. Stop planning your character. Well, good. At least that means I don't have to worry about teaching him how to play. No, um, he's like soaking it in. He is studying, taking notes and everything. Good. Um, cause, I mean, because I am the, – the plan is very soon um, to um, – you know, to get a game going with our three oldest. So my two boys and your oldest. And um, my town librarian, 
who uh, has decided that it is her, who happens to be one of my dear friends from high school, but who is very interested in, uh, it's like apparently a bucket list. To, oh, jeez. Um, okay. She just, it's, she decided she, apparently she never thought she would like magic, but then she started playing magic and like that. And she's like, you know what? I should give Dungeons and Dragons a chance. And I was like, well, I am happy to oblige because I have a seat open because um, you're probably going to be more patient with children than most. There you go. Um, so let's so let's take a break and let's get Carla in here and let's talk about Big Easy Busket. That sounds fantastic. All right. Let me get let me do the thing. All right, and we are back to episode 180 of Engage, a family gaming podcast. It's still Steven and still Linda. We're still talking about board games, but we have one more person on the call, and that is Carla Kopp from Weird Giraffe Games. How the heck are you? I am doing fantastic. It's been a while, but it is a worthy time for you to come on because you are helping promote a cool Kickstarter for your game Big Easy Busking. I am indeed. And so it's on Kickstarter as we record this. And is uh, for those of you listening to this podcast, if you are listening on the day that it comes out, you ain't got much time left. Um, because this Kickstarter does not have a lot of time. Um, so you're going to want to go take a look at it um, very quickly if anything we say interests you. Um, literally, I mean, don't do it in your car because I don't, I don't want to be that guy. But like pull over. They got free <laughs> Wi-Fi at Dunkin' Donuts. Just go stop, take a look at it, because um, you're not going to be able to back it after pretty much today. So, um, Carla, what the hell is does busking mean? So, busking <laughs> is when you go out, basically, you're on the streets, and you're doing something for money. Like, you could be a musician, or one of those fake uh, statue people that stand really still, or like a magician, Somebody like that that is trying to, like, entertain people and get money. Really? Cool. I totally... I meant to ask you this last Thursday, but I forgot. Um, all right, so that's what busking is. So Big Easy Busking is in reference... Obviously, we're doing this in, in New Orleans. Yes, we are. Okay. So um, this game is... So it's currently on Kickstarter. It is funded, but we're trying to, you know, kick a little bit more butt. Um so, tell us the elevator pitch for Big Easy Busking. What's so, this game about? Okay, so in Big Easy Busking, you're a street musician, and you're trying to win it big in New Orleans. Um, this is an area control game for one to five players that plays in about 45 minutes. Um, it's super cool because the area control is really friendly. Um, because, I mean, if everyone is winning, then every, the crowd is super excited, and they're just throwing out money. Um, but also, it's a two-step area control because song ta- songs take time to play. So on your turn, you're going to decide where you're going to start playing, and then it takes all up until your next turn to actually finish playing your song, and you get to see where everyone else is going before you make your decision on whether you're going to really like woo over this crowd or if you're just going to like put in the bare minimum um, take back your energy and use that to woo over a different crowd. Okay, that sounds cool to me. Um, so Linda, you yes. helped craft the because uh, this was one of our Kickstarter. This was our Kickstarter of the week last week. Um, because I've been captivated by the art for this game since you showed it to us on some random Facebook group that you and I are both in, Carla. Because um, I think we're in all of them. Yeah, there's together. 50 million of them, and everyone is in every one of them. Yep, pretty much. Uh, but they all serve different purposes, and all of them are run by different people, which is great when they all have different rules. Welcome to <laughs> Facebook in 2019. So um, so you, sh- you showed it in one of the groups, and I was like, holy crap, this looks awesome. Um, I have no I experience with busking. In that I don't have any talents that are worth money. However, um, I, I really have very few talents in general. But that's just like a, a, a general thing. But um, 
I was captivated by this game from the moment I saw it. The bright colors, the cool, like, it's just the neat idea. Linda, what hit you when you were going through this stuff? Well, I really just was caught up by the theme. Um, I didn't had never heard the term busking before. I didn't know that that term was even a thing. So, but seeing in the music realm, like the street musician and the New Orleans theme, and the idea of like having to play a song and you know interest the crowd, it just like the concept of it really struck me. The theme just really caught my attention, and I think part of it's also my musical background. Um, I don't have music as part of my day job but it's definitely something that i grew up with and so that that just struck a chord not sorry plan words um <laughs> with me <laughs> but, um, that was yeah there you go i, I get one for the, the podcast <laughs> um no but that was what really caught me and the, the art's really cool on it um i found it interesting going through like the how to play how it was talked about what was talked about with the you know, using like a simple song, a known song or something, you know, like saving up your energy to do something harder. Was I interpreting that right, Carla, about that you have to like save your energy to play like a more complex song? Is that? Yes. Was yeah. I, so was there's understanding. Um, that? Yeah. Uh, there's songs that are really simple that you can play for the crowds and it doesn't get you like that far with the crowd. Like they'll be a little bit impressed, but if you do like the super complicated songs, they'll be way more impressed and more likely to throw money your way. Okay. Yeah. And that's, it makes sense because those street musicians that are just like going crazy and these really complicated runs and musical, you know, things definitely wow the crowd a lot more than just somebody playing a song that everybody knows. And it's nothing, nothing special. Mm-hmm. So very neat idea. So, and so one I, thing I saw. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Linda. Well, I was looking through the Kickstarter too, and there was one thing I saw on here, Carla, and I would love to hear more about this. Um, one of the features that you highlight is that it's colorblind accessible, and I'm just curious how you were able to come about figuring out how to make it visually able to support somebody with colorblindness. So I try to do this actually on all my games um, where I just make all the pieces to it um, be colorblind accessible. So I have an app on my phone as well as having actually um, both of the colorblindness or both of the main colorblindness um, in my gaming groups. So I use the app to make sure like all the components are colorblind friendly, just making sure like... um, for instance, um, you'll notice that the colors of the cubes or the energy tokens are white and black, which everyone can tell apart. But then there's also purple, green, and yellow, which that combination of colors is also, you can tell it apart from anything else. Um, something that wouldn't be colorblind accessible is like when you have red and green in the same game, and there's nothing that differentiates the two. Okay, that's interesting. And with how colorful the cards are, when I saw that notation about colorblind, friendly, accessible, um, it just surprised me because with all these bright colors, you know, it's just interesting. Like that didn't jump out as a feature, but I mean, I'm looking at the cards more closely and like the numbers are stand out very clearly. And so like the colors as the details are not key to understanding the game. Yes, Um, because one of my uh, tenets of, like, game design and publishing is that I want you to get to the fun and stay in the fun, and something that is not fun at all is trying to, like, look at the game board and try to decipher, like, hey, is that black or is that, like, dark blue? Because, like, when you're thinking about those different questions while playing a game, you're not having fun. No, and even without colorblindness, we've run into the problem of we've played with poor lighting. And even when you don't have a colorblind issue, if you're playing with poor lighting, is it orange or is it red? Or, you know, you can have trouble differentiating. So that's really that's really neat to have that higher contrast so that you can tell the different colors apart to different components. Yeah, that is so. definitely a good point because, like, it well, it's great for people that are colorblind, okay? Like, because I play with a lot of colorblind people, and mm-hmm. it's so sad when it, you have to be like, oh, David, like... You did that wrong. You thought it was blue and it was purple, and I'm sorry. Like, we all feel sad now because, like, he has to, like, change what he did or whatever. Um, But, like, when things are just super different, then hopefully no one ever has a problem. Right. 
it makes such a difference when you have the accessibility factor. Yeah, I agree. I I had no idea there was an app. I mean, I guess it makes sense because there's an app for like everything. It's but true, there is an app. I just for had no. I I just it never occurred to me that someone would have thought to make that. You know what I mean? I know that sounds dumb, Carla. Right? Like, of course there's an app for that, but it's just it's so dumbfounding that, that that it's a thing, and it's great. Um, and it also super fortunate to have two people that I'm sure are willing to help provide you feedback. Because, um, I mean, having live feedback from real human beings is got to be super useful. Well, yeah, because, like, the app, it takes in, uh, like, you can just take a picture or use your phone camera to, like, look at stuff. But that's 2D. And, like, 2D is actually different than 3D. So having the people on top of that, like, like okay, I do the first checks with the app, and I think it's good, and then I test with the people to, like, just... Sure. Straight up verify. Awesome. Great. So let's so so this is not your game. You found this from somebody else. And we, we talked a little bit about this before, but I'd love to hear the story again. Love for Linda to hear it. So the um so you found this at an at a at an unpub event, right? Yes. Well it was a uh, Atlanta protospiel, which is very much like an unpub event. Okay. It's just not run it's run by different people. Okay. But yeah. Um, I found this last year at Atlanta Protospiel. It was like last May um, ish. And um, I had known Josh Mills, who is the designer. Um, we'd been at different Unpub events before, so I'd played his other games. And um, like we just knew each other because, like, as designers, you start to get to know the community. Um, but he had heard about Fire in the Library, which had gone on Kickstarter a couple months before, and he knew that uh, Weird Draft Games did weird themes. So he was like, here, you should look at this game. It's big, easy busking. And I was like, whoa. Like, uh, I had been to New Orleans, I mean, I think a couple years before, but, like, if you've ever been to New Orleans, it's so different and unique of a place, like, what... Well, you've talked about the art where, like, the art in Big Easy Busking is, like, so reminiscent of the art in New Orleans where, like, there's all these street artists doing so bright things. But also the music of New Orleans, like, all the jazz and blues and everything. It's just, it's a different place and I highly recommend it. But um, the theme immediately, like, got me in because I was also, I grew up and I was in band all through high school. So I was, like, pulled in by that, but then we played, and it was, like, the two-step area control where you have to, like, kind of think about what other players are doing, and I'm the worst at this, okay? I'm just, I'm so bad at, like, <laughs> knowing what other people will do because, like, I have this logical brain, and, like, while we're playing, like, Nick, my partner, like, I'll be like, okay, Nick is going to do this. And so I'm going to do this, and then he never does that thing. Regardless of how many times I play with him, he never does the thing that I, I anticipate. So, like, I love it. Like, just because um I play games to be, like, super social and, you know, to, like, interact with other humans. And Big Easy Busking is so much player interaction. Like, who you're playing with really changes up the game. It looks like there's so much variety and just you can it's never the same game necessarily depending on how everything comes out. The uh, so how long do you think this game's been in development? Um, well, you probably been, know. Um, I don't <laughs> know the exact the date, but I know that um, Animal Kingdoms won the Cardboard Edison in 2018, and Big Easy Busking was in the Cardboard Edison uh, finalists in 2017. So it's been around for a while, at least two years, two awesome. and a half at this point. Awesome. Yeah, this year, how weird is it that this year is just flying by? Yeah, I mean, like, when I did that math, I was like, oh, yeah, it's at least 2019. And then I was like, oh, it's June. What is happening? Yeah, it's it hurts. It really, really hurts. That's so, crazy. all right. So, uh, Carla, it has been a pleasure, as always, to have you on the show. Um, 
the you know keep making and publishing games so we can keep having you having excuses to get you on here because um you're always a pleasure to talk to um do you have anything else like on the horizon that we should uh, be keeping our eyes out i mean or are you a a, a one game at a time kind of kind of publisher um so i have so many games on the horizon um but i think the biggest like most exciting one is called Tumbletown where you are building a city in the old west you're a mayor and the people have decided that they want a town and you want to try to fulfill their needs while also creating buildings that work for you um so it's like an engine builder that you're actually building this like little dice town in the old west um awesome I'm so excited about it because I know, like, at the end of every game, I make sure to, like, take a really good picture of my town because I'm so proud of it. But, like, I can't wait to see other people doing that as well. Like, just all their little tumble towns. That sounds awesome. adorable. And I love the name of that, the name Tumble Town. So hopefully we'll get you on that. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get you on here when that game's coming around because I, I would love to hear more about it. Um, so everybody, this has been episode 180 of Engage, a family gaming podcast. I cannot believe that they have allowed me to do this for 180 episodes and no one has stopped me yet. Um, we're getting close to 200 guys. How crazy That's is hard that? To, I can't believe it. It's hard to believe. It's, it's so Yeah, nuts. you're going to have to do something special. Um, we are largely, um, I can't, you know what? I know what we're doing. Um, and I know, but and Linda kind of knows, but I can't spoil it because we are doing some really cool stuff for episode 200 and beyond, 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 beyond. But in order to get there, we got to finish this episode. So, folks, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording it. Um, until next week, like I said, top of the show, next week is E3. It's going to be insane. We're going to be talking about all sorts of video games. Um and um, so be ready for lots of relatively short podcasts. But if you don't want to listen to the littler ones, it's cool. All of them are going to be stitched together by our producer into one mega podcast at the end of the week. So um, also follow us on all our social media channels to see all sorts of crazy shenanigans. Um, and maybe send uh, Linda at Mom's Stories on Twitter your condolences for having a giant pile of dorks at her house. <laughs> um, because as you can imagine, Carla, it's going to be nuts. Um, because, you know, nerds at uh, on or around conventions get crazy. And we're going to be working at out of, their, out of her home. So um, she needs prayers. Everybody, it's um, gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great, but she's 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 not ready. Um, not so, ready um, un, until next time, folks. I do only have one. I have two favors to ask. Normally, I only ask the one. You know, the uh, like us on Facebook because we're getting close to two thousand followers. Um, but. Um, my first thing is I'd love for you to go and look up Big Easy Busking on Kickstarter and give it a look. If anything that we've talked about makes it sound interesting, um, give it a look. And, you know, even if maybe you, you don't think you want the game on your shelf, which I can't imagine why that is the case, throw her a buck. Let's get this game um, up and just blown up so that we can have more success for Carla in the future. So everybody have a great week. And until next time, don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see you soon. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Engage, a family gaming podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week.